0: Welcome to Promocast Canada, the one and only show produced especially for Canada's promotional products community. Brought to you by the Promotional Products Professionals of Canada and the President and CEO of PPPC, Jonathan Strauss. Let's talk shop.
1: Welcome to Promocast Canada, the podcast of the Promotional Products Professionals of Canada. My name is Jonathan Strauss and I'm the President and CEO of PPPC. I'm pleased to have with me today as my guest, Mitch Freed, the new Chief Executive Officer of Genumark. Welcome, Mitch.
0: Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate you having me. It's
1: an exciting time to have you. You're uh, As we're recording this, you're a few weeks into your new role as uh, CEO of Genumark, so congratulations on, on your uh, elevated position in the company.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: So Mitch for for the few people maybe listening who don't know much about Genumark, can you can we start there can you give us the history of the company and tell us a little bit about uh Geniumark
0: Sure Jonathan do you want the do you want the quick version or you want the uh you want you want all the twists and turns and management changes ownership changes what version do you want
1: Why don't you why don't you uh, Mitch why don't you give us the the highlights of uh of the history of of the company that your family has built
0: For, for sure so so Let's. We'll start with saying that today Genumark is 100% owned by by my family, and that is actually not the way that it started when my dad joined what is now Genumark. So I believe he joined, I think it was 1996. My dad, Mark, uh, was a litigation lawyer on Bay Street in Toronto, pretty... Pretty unfulfilled by his job, he he was doing quite well. I believe he like just made partner at his firm a year or two prior uh, to this 1996 uh, very early midlife crisis, let's call it. And we have a cousin; uh, he's like a quasi uncle to me in 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 the states who was was in the promotional products business in, in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan. And that's actually most of my dad's family is from that region. My dad grew up in Windsor, Ontario, and. His cousin was running his promotional uh, merchandise distributorship, and and he was looking at, to enter Canada in some way. And uh, there was a distributorship at the time. It was called uh, Creatus, Creatus, however you wanted to pronounce it. Uh, it was there was two offices. There was one in Vancouver. There was one in Toronto. That was actually originally started in Vancouver, I believe. Nineteen eighty. Well, I know that nineteen eighty was the founding year but it might've had a different name even at the time, but, you know, go go to 1996. Um, you know, basically my, my, my family member, my cousin, my uncle, whatever you want to call him, he uh, he did a deal to buy uh, this distributorship and he needed someone to run it. Someone that he trusted my dad having very little business experience practically in the last sort of 10 years professionally, other than, other than he, he grew up in a family business too. Uh, my, my family still to this day, uh, on his side owns the largest, uh, independent men's clothing in Canada. It's called Freed's actually, and it's, it's in Windsor, which is where my dad grew up. So, so, you know, certainly understood, uh, business and grew up watching a retail business, but, uh, you know, decided to go the legal route. He went, uh, and moved to Toronto, uh, for, for school and, and he stayed there. So, Uh, you know, my, my cousin, they bought, they bought this business and, and basically on day one, my dad became the president of, of, of then create us. And then within a a year and a, I think it was a year and a half later, he sold his Michigan and this, you know, this arm of Toronto, Vancouver to halo back in the day. And, and, and we actually were, uh, you know, Jenny Mark now basically was halo Canada for a very, uh. For, for, I want to say it was like three to five years. I can't remember how long, but that was back in the day when, uh, you know, Halo became a public company. I, I, my dad has memories of actually going to the stock exchange, re, re, ringing the bell, you know, the very exciting time. And then things changed quickly. Uh, you know, the, at that point, Halo had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy at one point. Um, there were some ownership changes. And eventually there was an opportunity um for a management buyout, and my dad took advantage of that. You know, at that point, when I think we became Jenny Mark, it was 2004 uh, when he had the opportunity to buy the Canadian arm, the Canadian company that he grew, and uh, that was in 2004. That's truly when it became, you know, owned by our family. And uh, fast forward to today, where we have you know 120 plus people. That's that's basically the story of the evolution of uh, of Jenny Mark in a couple of minutes.
1: Well, Mitch, thanks thanks for sharing that. I didn't, I, you know, there are pieces of that that I've heard over the last few years. Of you know, I've been with the association for just over four years, but there's a uh, there's always something new to learn sure. uh, in these stories. So I, I appreciate you you sharing that. So Mitch, um, I, I'm sure like like many children of entrepreneurs, uh, you, you grew up uh, around the business. But when did you first, uh, you know, beyond maybe being asked to pack a box uh, at Christmas rush uh, in the warehouse when when did you first uh, really get involved
0: with January? Yeah, I mean, I told this story uh, a couple of weeks ago to the whole company when when we announced the change. Um, I, w- I was super fortunate in that, you know, I grew up watching the business, learning the business through conversations. Definitely had various summer stints doing data entry back when programs were faxed in, and we would literally key in the information into our ERP system. That that was back to my high school days for sure. Uh, I had a couple summers where I worked the warehouse and and worked with people that are still working back there, which is a real testament to to our company and and people staying for a long time and generally being super happy uh, to, to to be part of our team. But uh, then I went to university. I, I, there was no plan for me to join the business. We never talked about it in terms of succession ever. Uh, I worked in management consulting for a number of years Then I went to business school in the States. Then I even, uh, started my own company after business school, um, for, and did that for a couple of years. Um, and it was only when I was thinking about what to do in my career, this was back in 2016. Um, not to, not to get into too much detail. I've told the story so many times, but basically my, my, my initial thought was to, um, was to look to buy a small business actually and, and run it. And I was meeting with a couple of different friends, uh, a couple of, uh, colleagues who graduated from, uh, same business school as me who were doing, uh, similar ventures. And the conversation basically shifted of, okay, so, so, you know, me as in me, my friend, I'm looking for a business because there isn't one that I'm necessarily attached to or connected to, or part of my family or a friend, I, I'm, I'm doing it because that's my best option. You're, you've got a business at your fingertips. Like what's the succession plan at GenuMark? Again, this is back 2016. It wasn't that long ago. And I, my quick answer was like, you know what? I have no idea. I, I actually don't know. I, I know a lot about the business, but I don't know about the future plans at all. And, uh, that conversation with my friend basically helped me build up the courage to call my dad later that afternoon and basically say what's the succession plan do you have one and he basically said you know i i don't really know i mean there's a couple of options we could sell the business whenever i'm ready to wind down um i don't love the economics of doing that i'd rather hold on to it as long as we can as long as we have great trusted people running the business um you know, but option two is, is getting in someone with, you know, uh, a vision for the future someone with longevity ahead of them. Uh, and it just, we just sort of chuckled and laughed about how much this probably made sense, uh, for both, you know, me and my professional career and what I was looking for, uh, for him and what his future plans were and for the business. And so I, I joined Jenny in 2017. I just passed my five year mark of being there full time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't it it wasn't part of my master plan and, and I don't I mean it wasn't part of my dad Mark's either. It just it just really made sense, which is which is uh pretty cool about our story, I think. Like it just um there's a you know, I was listening to another podcast uh, again, I've told this story so many times, where, where it really inspired me to feel confident about our decision. Um, Jeremy Lot, uh, the president of sanmar USA, was was being interviewed, and and he was telling recounting his story about about um, you know leading his family's firm as well. And um, you know he said something that really stuck with me, which was you know people will look at a family business, and then you know a second or third generation family member comes in, and people start sort of rolling their eyes and questioning like, how is it possible? That of all the people in the world, the the son or daughter of the founder or of, you know, the the current CEO or president is the right person to take charge moving forward. Like, you know, that's the odds are really small. And and if you think of it like, you know, there must be nepotism at play, all these kind of things. And and i personally, to be honest, was very self-conscious about that. I really was, even though I was proud of my experience and, you know, schooling that I'd done and, you know, I felt like I really worked hard. Uh, but but I totally understood that perspective and worried about that outside perspective. But he he said something which was, but, but people don't realize that that son or daughter uh, of that person who's been running this firm or business for however long, think about all the dinner conversations, think about the summer jobs, think about all the uh, almost like subliminal training this person has received, not to mention probably shares a lot of those same core values that the founder has because that founder was instilling those values uh to to, you know to his children or her children and i just thought that makes a lot of sense and maybe i don't need to feel so bad about this plan of 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 you know stepping into the role whenever we're ready so um That's really how the whole mind shift came to play, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it's only 2022. We really, we really figured this out at a high level in 2016, 2017. We weren't sure if it was going to work. And then we put the plan in motion.
1: As somebody, Mitch, who, who doesn't have a, a formal post-secondary education, I, I, I really uh, I, I really appreciate the, you know, what you shared there about, you know, the experiential learning, uh, in, in my words, not yours, but, um, you know, all those opportunities you had over, you know, your whole lifetime um, to learn about the business. And, I, and you know, I haven't heard, um, it you know, family business succession explained in that way, but I think... Uh, I think there's something to that um, for sure. You know, for people who grow up learning about their family businesses, obviously that's not all it takes. Uh, but I think your MBA combined with uh, you know how many how many dinners and and other conversations with your father, I, I, I can I can really appreciate uh, where that uh, where that would have been so so crucial for you in coming into the company.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely, I absolutely, and and it takes a third perspective to to sort of hear that story, realize, wait, that's totally true for us. And, and, you know, just gain that little confidence that you need as a leader to, to, to go forward with a plan.
1: So Mitch, when you decided to, uh, to join the company, um, you know, about six years ago and you, and you walked in the door, uh, what, what were you hoping to bring to the table uh, as, as you, as you came and, and joined GenuMarket?
0: Um Like I, I would say I, at first I didn't have an agenda. My only agenda, I actually joined as a quote unquote consultant for the first three months because I just didn't, we didn't know what, where, where my footing was going to be. You know, I, I already had pretty decent work experience, um, a lot of strategy experience, and there wasn't really like a strategy type role at the company. So I went the first three months almost as like this independent contractor. I don't even know if I was a I don't know if I was even an employee at the time because we we were really just like in this exploration phase. And I was a consultant if you will for 3 months, which was pretty that wasn't out of out of scope for me. I mean, that's what I'd been doing for 4 years, uh, you know, prior. So that that was that was pretty normal. And and I just talked to 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 a lot of people uh, very regularly and I sat and listened. I didn't open up my big mouth. I didn't. I didn't suggest all these things for the first six months. I mean, I was. In, I was extremely intentional about that. I. I. I really didn't want to come off as a know-it-all, as someone who, had all these great ideas. You know, I, I mentioned I had all this, quote unquote, training. But but I, but but, that training was was hearing it from one person all the time. Right. I hadn't had the different perspectives, and I hadn't heard from almost anybody else other than Mark. Uh, my sister actually worked at the company for, for a bunch of years at the time. So I had her perspective on lots of things, but, but that was it. I mean, it was a very biased opinion. So my agenda was to listen and learn uh, for, for, for a long time. I mean, that's still my agenda, to be honest. Um, but uh, but I, I mean, I think I knew that there were some things missing. The first like major thing or initiative that I drove was bringing technology uh, into our sales workflow because there wasn't any, uh, it was sort of a free for all and everybody on the sales team just sort of did, did, did their workflow their own way, whether it was quoting in the body of an email, whether it was putting together a PowerPoint presentation. I mean, there was no consistency consistency. There was no visibility to management whatsoever. The only visibility there was to management was when an order would get put into the system. So think about all the pre-work that's being done, all the conversations that are happening that management that the team had no idea what was going on. And I thought that was a real problem. So the first thing that I did was, was implement that solution, but that took a lot of time. I'm talking years. Like, you know, the the way we did that was basically by taking early adopters, getting some people excited about this, this tool, this technology. And, uh, by the way, for anyone listening, the tool for us is common skew and it, uh, I still believe it is a revolutionized uh, our business, and I'm not saying that to take credit. I just, I just can't imagine where we'd be today um, without it, with with this streamlined, streamlined tool. Excuse me. Um, it, it would have made it impossible for me as a manager uh, to to do my job. I'll tell you that. So that that was the big thing. Like you, you know, I would hear, and certainly you learn in school at the time. You know, you hear about Salesforce and these CRMs that that have taken off, and it's such a huge Business um, in in any sales organization. Yet we didn't have anything, and it just felt a little too old school and and too too much living in the past. Um, so that was like my first my first initiative, if you will. Um, and then it just kind of blossomed from there. Then eventually I started uh, I, I changed roles and led the sales team for a while. Um, again, that was just that just made sense based on uh, some of my experience and and the different people that we had at the company uh and where where i would fit in best um and then and then our most recent change so um like there really was no mass agenda when i started other than to just listen and learn and uh not be like this master fixer because that that can come off as super annoying as i said like there's a lot of good things that we were doing a lot a lot at that point we were still winning national distributor of the year way before i ever came along so I take zero credit for that. Uh, it, it was more just just staying relevant. Uh, we believe that status quo is the enemy. We we will never get comfortable, um, and we believe that there is no finish line and that we're always working towards being better. So, it's really just that's been my goal the whole time. I mean, it, it, it's and it will it, never change.
1: Mitch, through you talked about your your big technology transformation and uh, you know. That's, that's been, I think a big theme for, for, for this industry and many industries over the last number of years, what are some of the lessons learned from that technology transformation project that, that you would apply to your next big project?
0: Okay. So this happened by accident because I didn't think that there was any other way (laughs) to get it done. I already alluded to it, this idea of getting early adopters, the idea of you can't just like make a declaration, hope it's going to be great, turn on the switch and Everybody has to, has to do it uh, because, you know, I said, so it was a, it was a slow iterative process to get people on this technology tool. You know, I would talk about it with people, you know, what do you think of this idea? Oh, that sounds great. Oh, I'm not into it. I, you know, I, I have my own process. Like you got to listen and learn where people are at and then you take your pilot group. Then you, then you find who those people are that are super excited to sort of roll with you on this change. Then you get them talking about it. They start telling their colleagues how great it is. You know, you're missing out. You, you got to jump on board. Um, I think I think change is super hard. I also think that it's going to be uh, the main way that we stay relevant all these years. That I want to, you know, remain a- on top in our business. So uh, I love the idea of getting adopters to to change early adopters and starting small and letting it sort of naturally progress and and expand. And listen, I also think that's like the beauty of being a private company. I think a lot of public companies that are looking for speed, um, quick results probably don't have that luxury um, to sort of go at, it's not a snail's pace, but it's it's a steady methodical pace. And um, any change um, initiative that we launch in the future, I hope that I'll have the luxury uh, to, to put together these groups of early adopters to really get uh, others on board.
1: Well, I, as somebody who has failed, you know, at the odd uh, new technology project or, or new tool launch, I, I, I can appreciate that because sometimes something sounds like a great idea, and you run in and say, "Everybody, we're doing this tomorrow," and then uh, you realize six months later you've paid for something that nobody's using. So I think there's some there's some good lessons that go obviously beyond technology uh, practices there. Totally. And and this is an industry that I think. Um, I, I, you know, a few years ago I was, I was in a conversation where, uh, you know, a large supplier was talking about how many fax machines they still used. Um, and, 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 you know, and there are, you know, there are distributors and suppliers still using fax machines. I laughed, uh, you know, the other day, uh, in a conversation about healthcare when somebody said, yep, yeah, the, uh that the doctor's gonna fax over the requisition. You're like, wow, okay. Uh, so, um, you know, if, if you get bored over at genumark I think there's some other technology projects and some transformation projects waiting for you out uh, <laughs> there in the world. So, um, no, I mean, that, that's great. And, and technology is certainly, you know, a we've seen uh, the pandemic has really caused um, especially smaller companies in the industry to really have to look at technology. So I, I think if, if there's one positive out of the pandemic, the, the change in the use of technology in the promotional products industry has really just leapfrogged ahead and been forced to. Uh,
0: absolutely. And we will, we will not uh, stop. And I, I expect the, technology budget to i mean i would love that percentage of of you know spend to sales to stay relatively the same year after year as as i hope we continue to grow but you know i wouldn't be surprised if it just sort of takes over and 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 starts outstripping or even where we're at now just because um it's just going to be necessary to stay at the top of our game no question
1: Mitch, as you as you sit with your management team, which you've expanded uh, under your leadership, uh, when you look forward with with David and John and your father and others in the management group, what do you see for the future of Genumark? And, and what are you talking about uh, for the future of the industry as, as you sit with your leadership team?
0: Well, let's talk about what we think the pandemic did for our industry as a whole. You know, we, at the beginning of of March, 2020, when the events stop and we all watched our bookings and and you know orders just decimate and basically disintegrate and and go away we 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 wondered can can we survive without events like we have supported events people gathering together since the beginning of time for this industry like what 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 are we going to do so we survived on PPE for a while, like everybody else. We didn't shift our business. It wasn't like our best year, like you've heard some distributor stories, and kudos to those distributors. We just we just didn't get that far along in it. But what we did do successfully is supported culture like we never have. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, you'd go to an HR event or you'd go to a recruiting event, and sure, you got you got Um, the merch that, uh, you know, we provide uh, for, for, you know, that event. I'm talking how can companies show their stakeholders, whether it's their clients, their employees, that they care that the brand matters. Um, You know, that, that shift happened pretty quickly, actually. And, you know, a lot of that uh, shipping to individual people's homes—you uh, know, budgets being slashed for holiday parties—but had to be used somewhere. I mean, I think we really did well because of that, actually. And you know, it didn't make up for the loss, certainly, for the first eighteen months. But it has opened companies' eyes to the importance in investing in their employees, and you know, this hybrid workforce model is certainly not going away. And, you know, our clients are going to have a challenge to keeping, keeping their teams engaged and passionate about their brand. And it's, it's, it's harder and harder with, with this remote um, setting. I'm not, I don't think it's, it's not going anywhere and we're totally embracing it, but I, I think that's where we can come in. So this whole idea of having to execute large orders that go to a thousand homes as opposed to one or two locations, that is here to stay. So to me, the operational efficiencies of our business need to be sound, in check, and uh, and and efficient. And I don't I don't see that going absolutely anywhere. So you know we've we've invested in roles, um, you know logistics roles to make it a little easier to survive in, in this more logistically complicated world. Um, but I, I don't see that going anywhere. So I think that the the distributors that can do that successfully will, will be will be winners and and those that are just sort of hoping for the easy orders where they're going to one location, it's gonna it's gonna be really tough, I, I think.
1: Yeah, the 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 root of the you know distributor, um, you know, looking at, you know, you really distribution has really become the key part of the business, right? Like I think when we traditionally thought about, you know, calling your company a distributor, um, We nobody ever imagined it to be in the in the volume of locations that, you know, the last two years have brought to you.
0: Exactly. And I think a lot of quote unquote distributors, it's almost like the wrong name. Uh, Agency might be more appropriate for certain, you know, what we call distributors um, because there wasn't much logistics built in or distribution built into the day to day. And, and now I I think, I think you're right. I think the name has become so much more appropriate, uh, you know, for, for, for what's actually going on right now.
1: So Mitch, a a few years ago, I had a chance to visit your facility and, uh, you know, see your, your busy warehouse. Um, so how has that changed back there for that team? What, what does it look like today versus what it would have looked like, you know, two years ago back there?
0: Yeah, it's so funny. Like I, I was doing a warehouse tour for one of our new employees the other day and, you know we've expanded like crazy back there we used to only occupy half of the warehouse and when we did occupy half you know then we just you just sort of build up you 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 make uh, all the shelves and the racking sort of uh you know the space in between each layer or each level becomes skinnier and skinnier so you can basically just keep packing it in and then we we basically you know the tenant that was in the other half left we took over the whole thing that wasn't even that long ago i think that was can't remember if it was five or six years ago it was definitely under 10 years and it's just hilarious to think that we got by with half the space we're in like we just invested in way more (laughs) racking and that racking that just went in which it went in i think 10 days ago it almost looks like it it's always been there because it's just it's like we need it we just need more and more and more space we need to crosstalk more store more we have more things touching the warehouse um our, our warehouse is is uh it's just i don't want to mayhem's the wrong word because it sounds like it's not organized but it's just so busy i mean it's just an unbelievable space if you want to see uh just like lots of productive people on their feet getting things done it's pretty it's a pretty amazing place to be um so it's just changed in that we just have to keep adding more and more capacity and uh we're just going to keep doing that. And I mean, what's ironic is we have now way too much office space, way too much considering, you know, h- how many people are, are still working from home. And, uh, you know, you think about future plans, do you, do, you, do you, you know, eat up more office space, expand the warehouse, not so easy to do, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross those bridges as we have to get there. But uh, I mean, so that's, that's the difference is just the, the expansion ha- has just been nonstop. We just have to keep, keep going and going.
1: Good. Well, those are good problems, it sounds like, to be dealing with.
0: Um, uh, abso- absolutely. But I mean, you know, so when I say these things, you know, it sounds like I'm almost bragging about our growth. And, and, and you know, that, that's not re- it's, that, it's that in order to do what we do, we just need the space. It, it, is nece- it has become a necessary component of our business to have the distribution, uh, you know, know-how that we have. Uh, it, it's just, like I said, it, you know, it used to be a pretty simple, not simple, nothing's easy, but easy to understand business at least. And, and just the complexities just, just keep getting layered in. So, you know, this expansion back there, sure. You know, we're, we're hoping for top and bottom line growth and all all that stuff, but it's, it's also just the fact that we just need it to run the day-to-day because projects are much more complicated now than they used to be.
1: And I know that staffing in all levels of all organizations is a challenge today, but certainly hearing a lot that, um, you know, staff working in distribution centers and warehouses is, is tough. So how, you know, as you as you've had to pack more boxes, probably more small boxes than you ever have uh, before. How has your staffing been on that side of the business? It's
0: really tough. I mean, you got a we've got a core group that's been with us for many, many years. Adding to that core group is super challenging. Uh, we, you know, we we use you know, t- there's there's people that come in and out that that are sort of temporary contract workers. We just have to do it. Um, you know, love to convert some of those people to full time employees, but there's obviously a ton of competition out there. Certainly. The, the the different components and packages that the government made available uh, to people during covid made it extremely difficult to hire uh, a workforce so it's it's a it's a big challenge we we definitely use like third party help like like agencies to help get temporary workers in but it's listen it's disruptive you can have someone incredible working in your logistics center for 3 months and then and then they leave because you know they're going back to school or they you know you, you can't hire these people uh, that are you know just you know incredible for the most part. So it it we're 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 really no different than than the industry or than than sort of the, the whole market uh, as you hear about it.
1: And Mitch, a few minutes ago, you talked about um, the the challenge for your clients uh, about in, engaging and retaining both customers and employees. How as a company are you taking that on, and and are you learning from you know what your customers are doing? What what strategies are you taking on?
0: This, I don't mean to like, listen, I don't mean to brag. We've been really, really good at that for a really long time. Our average tenure across the whole company is 10 years, which in any, you know, interaction where we talk about GenuMark, we, we like to talk about that because it just, it just shows the experience and, and it shows that people do like working, um, at our company. So, I mean, it sounds cheesy. We just kind of keep doing what we're doing. To be honest, we, we. We let people have a voice. We we uh, you know run a very lean management structure where you know there, there's lots of accessibility. Uh, we like to hear when people are having issues so we can solve them. Uh, we like to operate on transparency and openness. Um, sort of the basic 101 type type stuff to be to be honest, Jonathan. Like it's not I don't have like a manual on how we do it, but uh, I mean I think we're just going to kind of stick to what. The foundation that Mark, David, John, and team have kept, have put in place because, uh, you know, they've done a great job. It, it obviously gets harder and harder uh, as people come out of school. And, you know, the, I don't know what the average number of jobs someone has fresh out of school within their first 10 years of their career. But obviously, it, it's getting more, more and more challenging, obviously. Um, but I think if we just sort of stick to the principles that we've always stuck to, in hiring and retaining employees, you know, maybe that average tenure doesn't stay at ten, but we're, we should always be way above average. I, I believe.
1: Good. Well, that's a that's a good goal to have uh, for sure. So I want to change gears. You you talked about in your, your company history. Uh, your your father was was uh, part of Halo for a while there. Um, yeah. You know acquisitions, um, consolidation. Certainly seeing more of it in the US than in Canada, but your own company did an acquisition a few years ago. What what do you see uh, in the future of, of uh, related to acquisitions and um, more American companies maybe coming into Canada? How do you look at all of that?
0: I think it's just going to keep happening. It, it, and it And it has, right, Jonathan? I mean, if you look at the last 10 years, there's been so much activity. Uh, that's never how we've grown uh, other than, you know the acquisition that we did a couple of years ago. You look at that acquisition. Like, there's no two companies on the planet, in my opinion, and of course I'm super biased, but I'll just stick to that that have a better story of why they should have come together. It's totally. Uh, it was totally additive markets. You have a company that birthed basically the technology tool, CommonSku, <laughs> that we uh, that we were uh, on already. It was they were in our backyard. In Toronto. We were friends with the founders and they have a team that uh, is young, dynamic, fresh and committed. And, you know, as we looked to our second generation plan where we needed more people on a similar path to mine, it was just a no brainer. So the marriage was just like, it's, it's pretty hard to argue against it. But there's a lot of these deals that don't go well and where one party really wins over the other. Like, I don't I don't feel that way with the, with the January Mark Wrightsleaf story at all. Uh, I think it was great for Mark and Catherine Graham because they have uh, been able to focus on their technology platform, CommonsQ, which is a fantastic business. It's great for us because like I said, we have new segments we're in. We have incredible people uh, because of the deal. We've even added them. As part of our management team a couple people so you know just such a win-win but but it's not necessarily going to be our strategy it's not like i i spend x amount of time scouring the market looking for more deals to do like that because i think the deal like that's like kind of one in a million like i i I just think that the fit was totally there and once we dug in it was a pretty it was actually it would have been really hard to say this doesn't make sense we can't do this We, we had to do it it just was it just made too much sense there aren't going to be many more of those and and that's not how genumark uh, became who who we even were pre 2019 before that deal happened so you know I, I don't think that's going to be necessarily our strategy of course we'll look when things make sense but it's not where i'm going to be spending my time and focused to, to grow to grow the company um, and you know everybody else listen i don't i don't spend a lot of time focusing on all that activity and what's going on because I, you know, we have too much going on internally and we got to figure out how we're going to stay at the top of our game. So, uh, that's, that's my very long winded answer on that question.
1: Well, it's, it's something we watch all the time. And, and I will say when I see, uh, acquisition stories, especially coming out of the US, I, you know, I, I hope we continue to see strong independent Canadian distributors and suppliers, Um uh, you know the the international companies are great, and there's many of them, and there's some strong supporters of our industry. But it's also, you know, as a proud Canadian, it's nice to see some people at the top that are, you know, based here in Canada as well.
0: Oh, for sure, we love a company like that. So uh, again, that that will be our lasting, that will be our strategy for a very long time, no doubt.
1: So for for people who wonder if you uh, you changed the locks on your dad a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, tell us, are you, are you, you know, what, what, what does the future hold for, for Mark and what, you know, tell us a little bit about how you're working together with him, uh, in your new role.
0: So my dad definitely 100% did not, is not retiring. We've made that very clear to the company. We've made that clear to anybody who's asked us. Uh, we did a press release that I think it made that pretty clear. Obviously it always, you know, that's the immediate, uh, thought that people have, and and people will say things to me like, "Congrats on taking over." It's like taking over. I don't I don't really think I took over. That's like that like implies that, like you said, like I kicked my dad out, and or he kicked himself out, whatever. Like it's just really not the way that we operate. What what's really happened there is now he has one direct report. It's a lot more manageable for him. Um, but but listen, I think what what another story that we told during the announcement was. As people progress at Geniumark, we want to see them operating in the roles that they're trying to to get to well before they get that title. So, any changes that we announced a couple of weeks ago, I think we were kind of already doing that. Like, I think you know, even the way we're making decisions, um, you know, I, you know, the the way that my dad sort of you know excused himself from certain discussions, certain meetings, he stayed pretty high level, and he, he's been. He's been like that for for quite a long time. So, I think like now that the dust is settling, the news is out, the congratulations stuff is like coming to a close. I really think that internally people are going to feel like it's exactly the way it was, you know, two months ago in terms of, in terms of who's involved and who's making what decisions. So the, and I think that test that's a testament to it just being the right time to to actually make it like official and put a stake in the ground because it's really, it's really exactly like the way we were behaving, you know, three, four, five, six, seven months ago anyway.
1: So you updated some email signatures and, and just continue your strategy.
0: Honestly. Yeah. Like basically.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, it's um, I'm sure for your, for your staff, your customers not having a, I don't don't know if that's the right way to say it, but a shock to the system uh, is probably wouldn't be helpful.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think like when news comes out like this, it always, listen, of course it's a big deal. I'm not trying to minimize it. It's, it's super exciting. I feel super lucky. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible opportunity that I have. But, but again, I think, I think that it's, not, not much is going to change day to day is is sort of my point.
1: So we'll continue to see your father active for many years to come.
0: Absolutely. No, without a doubt.
1: Good. Well, I know, uh, you know, your dad has many, many close friends in the industry and I'm sure they look forward to, to working with him for a long time to come.
0: For sure. And, and so do I, by the way, (laughs) it's the best part of the job.
1: I'm sure he appreciates that (laughs) for sure.
0: That's what's made it work.
1: Yeah. Well, great. I want to thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Um, so I want to thank you for sharing more of your story and, uh, you know, your plans for the future. Um, I look forward to continuing to work with you and your colleagues uh, in my role and in your roles there. Jenny um, Mark is obviously, as you know, been a, a huge supporter of PBBC, uh, you know, forever.
0: Oh, uh, oh and, 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 li- and, and likewise, by the way, uh, you know, it's been a big part of our fabric and, and part of who we are and certainly uh the accolades we don't take them lightly. They're incredibly important to our story, and we hope to be in that position for many years. So, so thank you.
1: Well, good. Well, thanks for taking the time to join us on our podcast today, and uh, I will look forward to seeing you at NATCON in September, if not before.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate the time.
1: Thanks, everybody, for joining us on PromoCast Canada. We'll see you again next time.
0: Thanks for listening to PromoCast Canada. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring more of Canada's promo leaders.